The word of the Lord is flawless and his ways are perfect. He is a shield to all who take refuge in him. Let us listen to the word of God and hear what the Spirit is saying to the church today. Please turn in your Bibles to 2 Samuel chapter 22, which is on page 170 in the Immersed Bible, or you can follow along on the screens behind me. David sang this song to the Lord on the day the Lord rescued him from all his enemies and from Saul. He sang, The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my savior. My God is my rock in whom I find protection. He is my shield, the power that saves me, and my place of safety. He is my refuge, my savior, the one who saves me from violence. I called on the Lord who is worthy of praise, and he saved me from my enemies. He reached down from heaven and rescued me. He drew me out of deep waters. He rescued me from my powerful enemies, from those who hated me and were too strong for me. They attacked me at a moment when I was in distress, but the Lord supported me. He led me to a place of safety. He rescued me because he delights in me. God's way is perfect. All the Lord's promises prove true. He is a shield for all who look to him for protection. For who is God except the Lord? Who but our God is a solid rock? God is my strong fortress, and he makes my way perfect. He makes me as sure-footed as a deer, enabling me to stand on mountain heights. He trains my hands for battle. He strengthens my arm to draw a bronze bow. You have given me your shield of victory. Your help has made me great. You have made a wide path for my feet to keep them from slipping. Please join me in prayer. Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit, that we may hear your word with joy. Amen. See if you can figure out what these uh, songs have in common. Get Back by the Beatles, American Girl by Tom Petty, Heart-shaped box, Nirvana. I can't help loving, falling in love, Elvis Presley. Purple rain by Prince, and Buddy Holly's brown-eyed, handsome man. These are all songs that were the last songs sung by these singers or, or bands. It was the last for some of them because their band, like the Beatles, they broke up. That's the last song they did in concert. Uh, for others, it was because, unbeknownst to them, Shortly thereafter, their voices would be silenced forever. But what if you knew that your voice would soon be silenced? What would you, if you knew that your days were coming to end, what song would you choose? What message would you want to relay? And what tone would you want expressed? Well, the last few weeks, we've been looking at portions of David's life as we're working our way through uh, the kingdom's portion of the Bible. We've been working our way through Joshua, Judges, Ruth, First and Second Samuel. We're in, first and, we're in Second Samuel now, and soon we'll be finishing up in First and Second Kings. And um, David, of course, was one of the most was the most famous king Israel ever had. Uh, many of us know stories about him. Uh, we know stories about him uh, as he was a young boy, shepherd boy, watching his flocks during the day and sometimes at night. Uh, we, we know the story about how he faced down Goliath, this huge Philistine giant, and killed him with just a slingshot and a rock. We know stories about how he led armies uh, against their enemies and won great victories. 
And we also know stories that aren't quite as uh, savory, you know, um, things like how he committed adultery with Bathsheba, how he arranged for her husband's death, how because of uh, a lack of discipline oversight, his family fell into dysfunction. His sons rebelled against him. So David, as, as king, he knew great victories and he knew what it was to fail publicly on a massive scale. He knew great joy and he knew a lot of regrets. He was capable of a stunning lack of discipline where his family was concerned, but he was equally capable of beautiful poems and music. And so today we pick up David's story uh, in the passage that Stephanie just read out of 2 Samuel chapter 22, uh, near the end of David's reign and near the end of his life. And there are a couple more stories after this, uh, one where he does a census of the people, contrary to what God wants, the people suffer the consequences because of that. And then also where he interacts with his son, Solomon, who's going to be the next king and gives him advice about what to do and how to solidify his power. But before we come to that in the book of Second Samuel, we come to this this song, this last song of David. It's a long one. It's a, it's a long passage. It, it spills over into the first part of chapter 23. And I guess you could say this is David's swan song. It's a, the last song we have of him. It's it's also recorded in Psalm 18. It's a song of testimony. As he looks back over his life, he reflects upon uh, the highs, the lows, what God has done in his life and who God has been to him. And in this song, like any well-written song, there are some clear themes, some as he is the kind of verses, I guess you could say, that he drives home powerfully, that he wants us to hear and to understand and to remember and to apply. So let's take a look. Let's begin at the at the first verse. And every good song needs what? It needs a good bass line. You know, a good bass kind of keeps the rhythm, keeps things moving forward. It kind of is the foundation for a song. Remove the bass and most songs sound kind of thin. That's why we crank up the bass, you know, when we're listening to our favorite songs. And, and David has a great bass line and he starts playing it from the very first verse. The Lord is my rock. He is my fortress and my savior. My God is my rock in whom I find protection. Now, if you read through David's Psalms, and there are a lot of them in the Old Testament, if you read through his Psalms, uh, this, this baseline is repeated over and over. God is David's foundation. Trusting God is what anchors David's life. And he turns to God over and over to this theme throughout his life. For example, the Lord is a rock and ever-present help in time of need, Psalm 46. Or the Lord is a stronghold of my life, of whom shall I be afraid? Psalm 27. Jesus told a parable about the importance of building a firm foundation in Matthew 7. Remember the story? There are two men. They build houses. They both use uh, good materials. They, both houses would have looked good at the end. Both were functional except for a key difference. It was the foundation. One built upon a rock and one built upon the sand. And Jesus says that made all the difference because when the storms came, the house on the sand collapsed, but the house on the rock stood firm. You know, I, I grew up on a, a farm about an hour or so north of here, and my, my dad ran a feedlot and a cow-calf operation, and uh, we had a, uh, we, hours and hours driving silage trucks, okay? And we stored all the silage in these, in these silos, and most of them were the blue harvest stores. You've probably seen them, big, tall, blue harvest stores. Uh, we had a couple of them were really impressive, um, 90 feet tall, 30 feet in diameter. And they were built 
and designed to withstand high winds and storms. But in early, the early 90s, straight-line winds of over 100 miles an hour hit our farm. And the next morning, all the harvestors were fine, except for one, one of the 90-footers. The difference was we discovered that the company that installed that particular harvestor, it was the late edition, had not used a proper foundation. David goes through a lot in life, and he experiences a lot of storms, some of them of his own making. And yet at the end of the day, his faith survived because he made God his foundation, no matter what happened to him. Even and especially if David was the cause of those problems, David always turned to God, trusted in God, his rock. That's the, that's the baseline of this song. It's, it what holds the song together, what's, what sustains David's life. So now we turn to, to the melody. In the first verse, we hear it throughout this song. The first verse, David sings about God, sings to God. God is his rescuer. God is his deliverer. God is the hero who sees him out of tough spots. Verse 3, God is my refuge and my savior, the one who saves me from violence. I called on the Lord who is worthy of praise and he saved me from my enemies. Now, no doubt when David was writing this and singing this, putting this song together, I mean, it was written for, for public worship. He no doubt he was thinking back upon the many times that God had rescued him from tight spots, facing Goliath, facing the Philistine armies, or the countless times he was being chased by King Saul. And so as the song continues, David builds on this theme of God as rescuer, and he paints this picture of God as, as this powerful, almighty, sovereign over heaven and earth who speaks and his voice thunders and, and, and David's enemies scatter because God has got his back. And then we see verse 2 of the melody in verses 17 and 18. He reached down from heaven and rescued me. He drew me out of deep waters. He rescued me from my powerful enemies, from those who hated and were too strong for me. They attacked me at a moment when I was in distress, but the Lord supported me. And he led me to a place of safety, and he rescued me because he delights in me. So, so David paints this picture of God. He understood God as a God who was personal, who was close at hand, a God who reached down, a God who was with him. Not like some general who was far removed from the front lines shouting out orders dispassionately, not really involved. And he paints this picture of God as a support, like a, like a state uh, supports a vine in a vineyard. God supports us. And without the support of a stake, what happens? A vine is too heavy and it lays on the ground or it breaks or it falls over. And the burden becomes too great and it eventually collapses. And for, for, for David, God was his support. God was his, 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 his support. God was right there. He was personal. He was a God who cared, a God who was involved. And David's view of God as this God who gets involved, who's personal, who's close at hand, is confirmed later on in David's life. When, when through his family tree comes Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. And so the same God who was with David is with us in the midst of all of our circumstances, whether it's family dysfunction, because David knew what that was about, or whether it was concern about his safety and health, David, David knew what was that, that was about, or whether it was concern for his nation or our nation, David knew what that was about. God is with us. And when the burden feels too great and we feel as if we're going to topple over and break from the weight of it, 
God will support us and we can lean on him. We can count on him. Jesus said this about what to do with our burdens. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So now in David's song, we come to a grace note. Do you know what a grace note is musically? A grace note is an extra note or two just kind of added at the beginning of a line to the melody just because. The, 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 the artist, the song composer, just wants to throw a little extra something in there to kind of make it a little more interesting, a little more beautiful, a little more appealing. It's, it, it's, it's grace. It's, it's, it's a gift. And the grace note is found in verse 20. God rescued me because he delights in me. God rescued David not because he had to, not because his plan was dependent upon David, not because he knew that Jesus would come through David's line. God rescued David because God delights in David. God relishes his time with David. The heart of God leaps with joy when he thinks of David. I mean, it's almost childlike, very pure in its, in its joy and its exuberance. I mean, think about a kid who opens a present on Christmas morning. They're excited about a special toy. They've been looking for it. They're hoping for it. They tear their wrapping paper off, and there it is. They got it, and they can't contain themselves. And they do a little dance, or they get, grin and giggle. They, their eyes sparkle, and they give you a hug so tight. That's a picture of, of delight. God delights in David, and David can't take it in. It's, it's, it's almost too much. He wrote of this in Psalm 8. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, what is humankind? Who am I that you are mindful of us, that you care for us? I mean, God does not just delight in superheroes and saints of the faith. He delights in you. He thinks of you and it warms his heart and it brings a smile to his face. That's wonderful. That's, that's grace. And next, there's a bridge. I mean, a lot of songs musically will have a bridge. What is a bridge? A bridge is, is kind of a break, a musical thematic break before returning to another verse of the melody. And the bridge is found in verses 31 through 37. God's way is perfect, and all the Lord's promises prove true. He is a shield for all who look to him for protection. For who is God except the Lord? Who but our God is a solid rock? God is our strong fortress, and he makes my way perfect. He makes me as sure-footed as a deer, enabling me to stand on mountain heights. He trains my hands for battle. He strengthens my bow to draw a bronze, my arm to draw a bronze bow. You have given me your shield of victory. Your help has made me great. You have made a wide path from my feet to keep them from slipping. And what's the theme of this bridge? God makes a way. Like the song we sang earlier, God is the way maker. God makes a way for David. And David testifies that God keeps his promises, that, that God promises to be there for him, and he does. That God promises to guide his steps through difficult times. God does. That God promises to strengthen David for battles and hardships. God does. God promises to provide safe passage for David, and God does. I think one of the reasons I've always kind of resonated with David is because he, he obviously was somebody who 
loves God's creation and he spends a lot of time in it. I mean, you read through his Psalms and you, you, you see things like, he even used words like mountain, stream, ocean, river, valley, desert, springs. And he uses his experience in nature to, to help express his understanding of God and how God has worked in his life. Verse 37, you have made a wide path for my feet to keep from slipping. This makes me think of the Phantom Terrace. Uh, sounds like an opera or something. The Phantom Terrace. It's, it's not a horror movie. It's, it's actually a portion of a trail uh, in the Sangre de Cristo Mountains of Colorado. And this trail is above tree line. It connects um, two, 13, two, two, two 13ers and two lakes. And as you're walking along, the trail gets really narrow. And, and the mountain drops off very steeply. You would not want to fall here. It would take a while for them to find you or retrieve you. You just don't want to lose your balance. And then you come to a section where it looks impossible as you're coming up on it. Uh, you don't see the trail just disappears. There's lots of rocks. It's very, very steep. You think there's no way through it. But you know the guidebook says that there is a way through it. So you keep walking. You get up to the edge, and then there it is. You can't see it until you're right on top of it. And so you take a deep breath. You get your eyes focused and you walk through. If you didn't know it, you would turn back. But where you thought there was no way, there was one. That's how God worked in David's life. David was anointed king by Samuel when he was a young man. But Saul was still on the throne. David waited several years to take the throne as, as Saul attempted to kill him many times. As Saul chased him with his men many times. And there were times when David seemed trapped. There was no way out, but God made a way. David wrote this about God's making, God making a way. Even though I walk through the deepest and darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. So God will make a way. God will guide us. Now listen to um, Jesus' words to us. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Or the Apostle Paul's words. Neither life nor death nor anything in all of creation will be able to separate you from the love of God that is yours in Christ Jesus. Now the final verse of David's swan song. The Lord lives, praise to my rock, may God, the rock of my salvation, be exalted. He is the God who pays back those who harm me. He brings down the nations under me and delivers me from my enemies. You hold me safe beyond the reach of my enemies. You save me from violent opponents. And for this, O Lord, I will praise you among the nations. I will sing praises to your name. You give great victories to your king. You show unfailing love to your anointed, to David and all his descendants forever. So like a great songwriter, David wants to leave us with three primary thoughts. He, he brings it back to these thoughts. He wants to leave this, these thoughts on, uh, in our minds as he closes his song. And these three things are three thoughts that have sustained him in the midst of everything in his life. He is chosen by God, anointed by God. He is chosen by God. He is loved by God, and he is secured by God. God is faithful to him. He is chosen, he is loved, and he is secured. I mean, God chose David when he was a shepherd boy, before anybody knew who he was. In, in fact, God chose him earlier than that. Listen to, to David's own words from Psalm 139. For you created me in my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. 
When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. God had already decided to choose David before he was even born. God didn't roll the dice, didn't have a lottery system, didn't throw a dart at the wall. God deliberately, with foresight, with foreknowledge, chose David. It wasn't random. wasn't on a whim. Don't you think that would have sustained and encouraged David as he went through life? God chose him. And God chooses you. Just as God chose David, God chooses you. From before you were born, God chose you. And God chose David and God chooses us not because of what we can do for him. Not because he needs us, but because of his unfailing love. I mean, we are not pawns created by God to be deployed and manipulated in his cosmic game of chess. We are his beloved. We are created in his image for a relationship with him. And we are chosen because of his love for us. David wrote, for your love, O Lord, is better than life. Psalm 63. Jesus said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. God chose you. God loves you. And David knows that along with those two truths, that he is secure because he can trust that God will keep his promises, that God will not break his word, even when we are not faithful, which David knew all too well. Because if God's keeping his promises would depend upon David keeping his end of the deal, then David would have been in big trouble. And if God keeping his promises to us was dependent upon our keeping the end of the deal, well, we'd be in big trouble too. But God doesn't break his word. And God made a covenant with David, a promise to David and his descendants that one of his descendants would be a king who would reign on the throne forever. And that promise was kept in the person of Jesus Christ. And that's where ultimately David's swan song points us to the king who would come from his family tree, to the king who in contrast to David would always be faithful, to the king who would never leave or forsake us, to the king who was righteous and would make things right between us and God and between each other, to the king who was gracious and who suffered and died for us, to the king who who thought of us before himself, to the king who lives forever and offers us eternal life. And his song goes on. And it's beautiful and it's true. And so in the midst of the craziness of our world, The coronavirus, a divisive political climate, racial tension, economic uncertainty. God is our rock. God is our savior. God has chosen us. God loves us. God is faithful. And no matter the dysfunction or the disappointment you might have in in relationships or your family, no matter the effect of your sin, no matter the regrets that we have, and we all have them, God shows you, God loves you, God is faithful. And that's a song that's worth singing from the mountaintops. That's a song worth singing through good times and especially through the bad times. And that is a song that we are to sing with love and gratitude with all of our hearts. May it be our our swan song. Let's pray. 
Father, we, we praise you and we worship you. We give you the glory. We come into your presence humbly. And we thank you for the promises that you've made to us and the promises 100% that you keep. We thank you that uh, the most important promise you've made to us is summed up in your son, Jesus. All your great and precious promises summed up in your son, Jesus, who identifies with us as he came as one of us and has made a way through sin and Satan and death, uh, a perfect path, a perfect way, and that he will guide us and direct us. We thank you that, that you are our rock and our foundation. So help us, Lord, to build our lives upon you, as David did. He was not a perfect man. None of us are perfect either. And yet, his, his instinct... His heart's bent was to you, to turn to you, to trust in you. Uh, So, Lord, we give you the glory. Uh, We sing your praise. We offer you our love. In Jesus' name, amen.